0: It's great. I love seeing baptisms. It's great. It's fantastic to see you've been baptised today. Um, I was baptised in March 1980. So it's a little while ago. And uh, I think pro- probably most people in this room have been baptised. And it's just, just to remember that day, and to think back um, to the, day, the, the events that led you up to that decision to follow Christ. And to say, I really, I'm going for it. I'm going to get baptised. Um, And then being filled with the Holy Spirit and just, you know, it's just a journey. And your baptism is a real marker. It's like a real signpost uh, 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 that you put down on your journey that's a real helpful point. I want to read you a story this morning and it's in Genesis chapter 40. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. So you can follow along with me if you want. It's Genesis chapter 40. Uh, This is about Joseph Um, Him of the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, that one. And um, he has been charged with adultery and thrown into prison. But God's hand is upon him, he's being blessed. And so the uh, the chief of the prison actually puts him in charge of all the other prisoners. And we pick the story up here in uh, chapter 40. It says, Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offence against the lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, we have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. that they should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you. It's a bit of a tease, really, isn't it? Cruel. And hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. Anybody read Horrible Histories? This would be a classic. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Sorry, it's a bit of a gruesome tale. I didn't write it, obviously. Um, But... um, Yes, I just got a few things I want to particularly draw out of this, this morning. And first of all, I just want to focus in on the cupbearer. In verses 9 and 11, uh, we read about the cupbearer's dream. Uh, just to read the dream again, he says, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth. And the clusters ripened into grapes. It's a great time in the garden at the moment because all sorts of things are coming into bud and blossom and fruit. All sorts, all sorts of stuff. We've already started picking and are very exciting in our garden. But just picture in your mind, kind of speed it up, looking at a branch with nothing on it. And then these buds appearing and opening and becoming grapes before your very eyes. You can kind of see that acceleration, accelerated process. And this is what the cupbearer saw in his dream. And he actually sees himself reaching out and squeezing the grapes. So there isn't even really time for it to ferment. Although knowing God, perhaps it fermented as he took it to Pharaoh. I have no idea. But grape juice, at the very least, is what Pharaoh had. And there's a very obvious imagery here of the vine. And the first thing I just want to really draw to our attention is the importance of saying, staying connected to the vine and receiving from the vine, Jesus said, in John chapter 15, verse 5, "I am the vine. You are the branches." I mean, this goes a step further than what the cupbearer saw. We actually are branches of that vine, because that is what Jesus has done. We just don't just receive from God. We are grafted into Him in a very real way. That we actually are the branches and can bear fruit, as it says in John 15:5, "I am the vine. You are the branches." Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jody, I know you know this already, and we all need to know this. And for Grace is getting baptized later on in particular. Just to know that what you're really connecting into today, what you're investing in today, is that relationship with Jesus. It's not like taking something and plugging it in into a socket. It's not that kind of connection. It's the kind of connection that comes from relationship. And it's a relationship that we have with Jesus. It's a relationship we have with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And it's through that relationship that we receive. And you'll find time and time again, you'll be able to reach out and just receive the fruit of the vine. That, that it just speaks of God's provision in every part of our life and particularly speaks of the Spirit coming into our life to, to help us in every way. So yeah, that's the first thing I want to draw out, that we, this, this picture of the vine, and for all of us to remember, no matter how long we've been Christians, the importance of staying connected into the vine, which is Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus yet, if you've not become a Christian, Uh, You've not given your life to God in that that sense of a relationship that I'm talking about. Just want to say to you today that Jesus just longs to have a relationship with you. He longs to see you connected in to himself. Um, Not because he wants to download a load of information into you, but he wants a relationship with you. And I really want to encourage you today to, if you're thinking, I need to know more about this, being connected to Jesus, maybe you should talk to Jodie. She's got a really fresh um, testimony of God's work, but come and talk to any of us um, if you would like to know more. The second thing, um, and again, it's referring to the cupbearer, is this drink that was put into Pharaoh's hand was as fresh as it could possibly be. I mean, the vine budded, uh, uh, flowered, produced grapes and was squeezed into the cup and put into Pharaoh's hand. Almost as quickly as I can say it. How fresh, how much fresher could something be? I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 6. Some verses that this really reminds me of. Matthew chapter 6 and starting from verse 31. They'll be very familiar verses. Matthew chapter 6 and from verse 31. It says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And then in Proverbs chapter 3, some verses I read to you the last time I was preaching. Proverbs chapter 3. From verse 5. Again, familiar verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. God is such an amazing provider. And there's many different pictures that the scripture writers use to try and communicate that to us in ways that we can connect with, in ways that we can receive from God. And I love this thing, you know, don't worry about what you're gonna eat. Don't worry about what you're gonna drink. And so God knows everything. He knows all about us. And it's just as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness that God promises us to add those things to us. God's not a slot machine. It's not like if you put the right thing in, the right thing comes out. It would be like, just, it doesn't work like that. It's relationship as I said before. But there's a real freshness, like that fresh drink that the cupbearer squeezed into the cup. God wants us to so trust in him that we're able to receive from him fresh every day, whatever it is he has for us. Um. Matthew, just jumping back to Matthew 6, i sorry, there's lots of verses, well, I'm not sorry, there's lots of verses, because uh, it's good stuff, but um, Matthew chapter 6, we read, um, Jesus gives us the Lord prayer, in verse 9, Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, here it is, give us this day, Our daily bread, that sense of receiving from God daily. And that's what Jesus told us to pray, pray every day. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or our sins as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this kind of links into the third thing I want to draw your attention to, which is to do with the baker this thing about lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil I'm referring back again to the Proverbs chapter 3 I read this verse in verse 7 be not wise in your own eyes fear the Lord and turn away from evil being a Christian is great but it's not a picnic okay being a Christian does not mean that no problems the rest of your life I'm really sorry if this is a shock to anybody if you've been a Christian for more than a week you know this anyway Being Christian, God does know our needs, and he tells us to ask for daily bread because it's his full intention to provide for our needs, and he does that. At the same time, the Bible makes it very clear that it comes with some challenges and difficulty at times, and those two sections particularly draw attention to that. When we think about the baker, just going back to his dream for a minute, in Genesis chapter forty. His dream was in verses 16 and 17. I really feel for this guy. He obviously thought, well, the cupbearer's dream interpretation was really okay. He's kind of like, I was a bit uncertain about whether sharing this dream, but it's, everything's going to be fine. I'm up, me next, me next. Interpret my dream. Oh, dear. Um, so in verse 16, the baker says, it says, When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were these three cake baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. I can kind of think, that's my kind of basket. I mean, I love baked food, you know. But I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be letting the birds of the air have their fill of it. He's just saying, but the birds, you know, they're, they're, they're eating this. And the interpretation is fairly dire, as we read. Don't let the birds eat from your basket. <laughs> Don't let... The enemy rob from you okay don 't let him take it. I reckon that stuff in the basket was good stuff. I bet it was really high quality bakery. If you could have smelled it being cooked, you 'd have think, I mean, I love the smell from a bakery it 's just impossible almost to walk past a bakery that when you 've got the smell of bread coming out it 's the same in supermarkets it 's all a con you know that to get you to buy stuff but um, but he he was allowing birds of the air to steal from his basket he was allowing let me give this picture he was allowing the, the enemy if you like to steal what was rightfully his in order that he could then give it on to something else I want to say to you this morning chase away the birds chase them away be really careful um, Jesus in John 10 verse 10 says this the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy we, we do have an enemy please be alert to this You don't have to be frightened of him, but you do have to be aware of him. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Thing is, it doesn't stop there. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And it's great to focus on that. It's great to make that the main focus of the scripture. But we do need to be aware that we have an enemy. If we can turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter chapter 5. And I can read from verse 8. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's reminiscent of what we've been reading already. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, Peter is writing to, into a particular situation. He's writing to the church leaders in Ephesus. So he's writing into a particular context. But there's stuff here that we can still learn and take for ourselves. And, you know, he, he's speaking to leaders and talking about humbling themselves, and I'll exalt you and cast your cares upon me. But this ver, this in verse 8 be sober minded and watchful. It's just something we all need to be aware of. Just be aware of the birds that are flying around your basket. Okay. Take it down and carry it under your arm if you need to. Do something just to stop the enemy from taking what is rightfully yours. By the way, this verse about he, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, um, seeking someone to devour. I, many, many years ago, um, somebody said, yeah, he's a roaring lion, but all his teeth have been pulled. And I kind of like that imagery. It kind of just helps me to, um, to not be too overwhelmed by the thought of, of him, but at the same time to be alert to what he's doing. Oh, sorry, what he would like to do. Um, it says in the, in verse 9 here to resist him and in, in James 4, 7 it says uh, something like submit to God resist the devil and he will flee from you and there's a, that twin thing of submitting your lives to Christ submitting yourself to God and resisting the evil one Okay, uh, it can be tough at times Don't be surprised Okay, it just makes you think Okay, Lord, you said this You said it's going to be tough from time to time It doesn't knock me off guard I'm going to draw from you. My strength is in you. You've come to give me life and life in all its fullness. And so I'm not feeling that right now. I'm not experiencing that right now. But I believe your promise. I stand upon your promise. And I'm going to draw upon you. Just one of the ways, by the way, that the enemy does get in is sometimes through things that we do ourselves. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 26 the second half of Ephesians chapter 4 has got a lot of very practical teaching in it. After the beginning of the the book where God is, uh, Peter, Paul even, is painting these amazing pictures of God in the church and being seated in heavenly places and everything. He comes to halfway through chapter 4 and he starts giving some really, really practical advice. And one of the things he says is in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. And some some um, translations of the Bible really quite closely link those verses, and others put them as if they 're two completely separate things i, I don 't know i don 't know greek so i 'm not sure what the best is i think it 's a verse that does kind of stand alone that verse of do not you know resist the de- sorry do not give the devil a foothold, but in that in your anger, do not sin and do not give the devil a foot sometimes we're emotional people. God has made us to be emotional people and so on. And emotions are good. And even anger can be good sometimes. Jesus was angry when he turned the tables over, but Jesus did not sin. And so it's learning to handle our emotions in a right way, in a godly way, and not allowing our emotional response sometimes. And not necessarily anger. It can be anything. It can be bitterness, it can be selfishness, it can be... A, you name them you know you'll know what uh, is probably more your weakness not allowing the enemy to get a foothold when i was um when i was young one of my favorite programs on the tv was tom and jerry which is probably now completely politically incorrect because it's another bit of violence and um when uh, we've shown them what well, they amazing things you can get them on dvd did you know that oh okay fine you know already um, if Tom and Jerry came on when I was a kid, I mean, it was a five-minute cartoon. If you happened to be watching the TV when Tom and Jerry came, came on, that was amazing. If you watch a Tom and Jerry cartoon, now I've got DVDs, three DVDs full of Tom and Jerry cartoons. My grandchildren have seen them all. Not all my children are happy about that. Um, but one of the little kind of uh, things they did... When either Tom the cat, sorry for anybody the uninitiated, Tom was a cat, Jerry was a mouse, and they were always chasing each other and usually the mouse got one over on the cat and that kind of thing um, usually when one of, either the cat or the mouse is considering a particular course of action, you get this little if it 's Jerry the mouse there 's a little angel mouse appears bing on this shoulder, a little devil mouse bing appears on this sh- shoulder, and they 're both whispering into his ear and the little angel saying nice things. You, you get that kind of picture. Um, and I, for me, when I read this verse about do not give the devil a foothold, I kind of like, I want to go, get off. Do you understand you know what I mean? I mean, you can stay, you're fine. <laughs> but it's kind of, for me, it's like, you know, he's got no right to sit on your shoulder. He's got no right to eat from your basket. Whatever imagery you want to use, he has no right and you have every authority to tell him where to get off, where to go. And you don't have to be polite, okay? Just, just tell him where to go. And be alert, be aware of the fact that sometimes you can, can open the door yourself a little bit and give the devil a foothold. Just be alert to that. Be the, Holy Spirit's, you know, the Holy Spirit's with you even when you give in to that. You know, The Holy Spirit doesn't say, I'm out of here. He's in you all the time. He's, he's talking to you. Listen to him. Okay, I probably, I probably um, laboured that point. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to just finish off with these uh, couple of verses. John 8, 31, 32. In fact, I'm going to look that up. I don't think I've written the whole thing down. We talked earlier about abiding in, in the vine and receiving through the vine. A similar kind of verses in John 8. And uh, verses 31 and 32. St- starting partway through verse 31, Jesus is speaking, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The devil is a liar. He's the father of lies. He says that elsewhere. He's a thief. He's out to kill. And he's a liar. He just, every time you come across him in scripture, he's just lying through his teeth. And, but Jesus, not only is Jesus the truth, he is the truth that sets you free. How amazing is that? He is the truth that sets us free. And it's talking there in particular about abiding the word. There's a connection here. Jesus is the word. We know that from John 1. And, you know, they are, in some ways they're separate things. At times we think of Jesus, we think of the word. And yet, at times the Bible says they're one and the same thing. And I just want to really encourage you. If you do nothing else, it's to really fall in love with the word again. Because this is your best protection from the works of the evil one. It's like an inoculation every day. And it's not even necessarily the words that you read that day, which are always the ones that come to mind and help you. But just knowing the word of God and feeding upon the word of God, by which I just mean reading it, thinking about it, you know... Sometimes that's a quick snack. I get what life is like sometimes to be able to sit down and have a three-course meal where you just feed upon the word. It's such a powerful thing. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Well, you can walk clearly when you've got a light showing you the way. If you're trying to walk in darkness, well, it's not going to be surprising if you fall over from time again, time and time again. And think, going back to the the baptism and thinking about baptism, when Jesus himself was baptized, um, as he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. And and the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he's led out by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. I'm not prophesying this over you, by the way, okay? (laughs) This is what happened to Jesus. He was led out in the wilderness and was tempted for 40 days in all sorts of ways. How did Jesus overcome? He, he, he used the word of God in the end of the day. It is written, it is written, it is written. Man will not live by bread alone and so on. Jesus did that. He is the word of God. And yet he was quoting the word of God back to the evil one. See, the devil knows the word of God. You know, he knows the truth. And when you speak the truth back to him, he can't stand it. I'm not suggesting that the devil himself is going to turn up one day and confront you. I have no idea. But with those temptations, those difficult things that happen, it's come from the pit of hell whatever the personification of it is. And I just, I really want to encourage you today that God really does want the best for you. He wants the best for each one of us. But just be on the alert. Just be aware. For our, forewarned is forearmed, sort of say, isn't it? And just sometimes when we can uh, know what he's up to at times, we can be safe. And I think I've discharged everything I wanted to say. Praise God. Thank you.